Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Wow, Matt, fellow adventurers. We are playing Sir Croakington. And we're keeping a watch on Hawklaw because a lot of things have been going down there recently. In the previous episode... Someone tries to mess with the water supply. But I think we... I think I think we got, we got there before they did anything. Or it was... They never really planned to do anything and they just wanted to lure me into a fight for some reason. Presumably so that the... The faceless... The faceless foe can copy me better somehow or something like that honestly Woundskin's uh, not exactly comprehensible to mortal beings <laughs> anyway there's next there's other adventures that are unassociated with the Woundskin stuff but such as the end of your rope on the road to Hawklaw and Wed Warren, and several more. Quite, quite a lot of stuff happens in Hawklaw, really. Even outside of the Runeskin business. But the next one in the whole March of the Oterok saga is called Dawn in Hawklaw. The battle began at dawn. Alright, this looks like it's going to be a big one. Although, I can't quite remember how big it is. But let us begin. The battle began at dawn. Roused from your much-needed slumber in the outpost's recently constructed barracks by, the, by a series of frantic cries, you hurriedly equip your gear and spring out of the former inn and onto Hawklaw's main thoroughfare. There... You find yourself in the company of a dozen soldiers and Captain Millark. The captain's the captain issuing orders to assembled men moves up to your side and points along the road to the north. Peering through the hazy, dim light of the early morning, you spot eight shapes moving rapidly towards the village centre. You immediately identify the shadowy figures to be Eltrock If it's only eight, it shouldn't be that much of a problem. Unless, of course, they decide to attack me all at once, in which case it will be a severe problem. As the Eltrock approach, they suddenly divide into group, two groups. One half of the menacing legion continues to advance along the western side of the thoroughfare, while the other four move along the eastern edge. Captain Millark quickly dispatches half of his men to confront the Otorok on the left, and the rest of his soldiers towards the Legion on the right. Alright, I don't think there's, there's no particular reason to go either way. I mean, I think they, they could probably handle these Otorok. 
I mean, the, these are trained soldiers and they're experienced with Otorok by now. And there's only four of them, so they should probably be okay. But, gotta, gotta, gotta make a choice. Do I go left or right? Uh, left. Moving quickly into place, with the six chain-clad soldiers along the western edge of the thoroughfare, you prepare to do battle with the silent, swiftly advancing legion. The first of the Otwok is quickly upon you, striking out at you with its iron-tipped wooden limbs. Alright, time to equip the Oaken Wad. And um, that's my phone, it needs charging. Should probably do that, pretty sharpish. Just going to quick combat these, because Otorok always fight the same. 25 XP. As the Otorok crumbles into a pile of splintered wood at your feet, another steps forward to take its place. The sound of waging battle fills your ears as you engage the menacing foe. Now, I wonder, does the fact that these soldiers are fighting alongside me have any effect on the battle? I guess we'll see. The Otorok swipes at you with its iron-tipped wooden limbs. It's adapted its combat strategy. Oh, and I've stunned it. No, no, it doesn't seem to have any effect, the fact that these soldiers are fighting alongside me. Yeah, I mean, maybe... Maybe you should have, like, every other turn or so, one of the soldiers gets a... One of the soldiers gets a blow-in or something like that. But, you know, we're better. I mean, we, we have had that happen before. We had the 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 battle against Skarglak the Slayer at the end of Proving Grounds 1. 1, and we had the... We had that fight... That fight where we were on a ship, and there was the Rat Men. We had, we had the, the captain help out with that and do some damage. There's probably other examples... Uh, uh, just, just something to consider. Oh, stunned again. And it is slain. Nope, doesn't seem to be changing. 25 XP. You step... step you step back from the remains of the Otorok and turn to your right. Only a few yards away, you spot a young soldier struggling to hold his own against the relentless attack of an Otorok. Without hesitation, you rush to his side and engage the wooden eye menace. Just gonna... Fight this. It's adapted again. Adapted to 11 plus. Boo. Got stunned. Get stunned sometimes. It's twice to stun me. You know, it's usual Otorok stuff. Since it's scaled to 11 plus, it's taking off a lot of my health. 25 experience. The young soldier, still breathless from the fight, gasps his thanks as he turns to face yet another Otorok. Realising immediately he's outmatched by his silent foe, you step in front of him and swiftly draw yourself into combat-ready stance. Well, that's why you use formation tactics. I suggest spears. You know, just form a siltron sil or a flanix or, you know, have lots of spears in front of you and then the Otorok can't get to you because there's all these spears in the way. Yeah, especially if, say, you could wet, especially if, say, you spanned the entire width of the street so they couldn't even go round you. Yeah, 
Oh, I'm sure they know all about that. But they probably just don't have... They probably just couldn't get enough men here quickly enough to do that. But, you know, in the future... Spear. Former Phalanx. Or something else. Yes, you got to... It's all about forming square. That will fall, or even better, form a square. Because then there's no way they can surround you. There's no, there's no soft bit they can attack you in, because it spears all around. And then what can they do? They could just, just, just claw at you, and then you go clonk, clonk, clonk. Form a spear. Form, yes, yes, well, not a spear. <laughs> you're not in zero gravity. I'm sure in zero gravity, <laughs> you'd probably have all sorts of weird shapes in, in battle formations. I don't know, just form a square. Form a square. Then you just, you know, form a square, have a wizard in the middle, and then he can just, you know, lop some spells over... Over the square and get whatever's whatever the armed people are, the spear people are keeping away. Something like that. I think I think that would probably handle the Otuak well enough. And of course, and while you're and while they're keeping them busy, they can be an anvil. You can get some cavalry to be a hammer and, you know, just wait until the Otawaka, you know, are, you know, engaged and, and and caught up in something and then wham! Whammer! Whammer cavalry wedge into them and just drive them forth! Something like that. I don't know if they have cavalry, but they, they should get some because... Cavalry's would be really, it's just really powerful in medieval combat. You know, before they know they had guns. <laughs> uh, anyway, Otwok. Just fight it normally. Stunned. Just do 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 do. Regular Otwok fight. It is slain. Another 25 XP. And more importantly, I can now heal. Just fully healed now. You turn away from the pile of splintered wood and twisted iron at your feet and watch as the last of the Otuark topples to the ground on the far side of the thoroughfare. Captain Millark, barking orders for his men to help the wounded back to the outpost, steps to your side and shakes his head grimly. One soldier lies dead, and five of his men have been wounded in the dawn attack. Oh dear. Yes, as I said, group formation. Group formation. As the two of them make your way over to retrieve the body of the slain soldier, a menacing shape looms into view out of the dim early morning light. Moving towards you with swift, even strides is a lone truck. Unlike any you've yet encountered, what could it be this time? Is it really big? Has it got extra limbs? Is it? Well, it can't be glowing because there's only four glowing. What's it like? By the old father, it's solid iron. 
says Captain Millark, drawing his sword as the Oatwalk bears down on you. Have you ever seen any like that? You shake your head as you assume a combat ready stance, your eyes fixed on the swiftly advancing Oatwalk. Every piece of the Oatwalk has been crafted out of iron. It's also plain to see that this new and unwoken variation on your now familiar foes seems to move with great speed and agility. As the Oatwalk draws through the Miller range, the sharpened tips of its long arms poised to strike. You quickly tell Captain Millark to stay behind you. Not a chance, my friend, he snarls as he prepares to slash at the menacing iron beings. The words have barely escaped his lips when he drops to, to his knees and pitches forward in, onto the ground, a victim of a savage blow to the head by the fearless Otorak, who I hope he was wearing a helmet at the time, because, you know, they're very handy helmets, you know, for preventing head injuries. Especially when, you know, you're about to go into battle with, with you know, Otorak, which love causing head injuries, and all the other injuries as well. With a fierce cry, you throw yourself at your deadly iron foe. Okay, I'm going to fight this manually. Alright, the iron Otorak swipes at you with the sharpened tips of its iron limbs. Alright, I'm doing it, fighting aggressively. Oh, I've stunned it. Can't attack. It's adapted its combat tactics to match mine. Oh, and it adapted to 11 plus. Of course it did. But it's got stunned again. And it gets stunned again. Thank you, Umdwell. And it gets stunned again. And, but it tries to, tries to stun me. But that didn't work. Alright, just, just regular fighting. Sometimes it stuns me, sometimes I stun it. Stunning's all round. It's got a lot of health. Round 45, 46, 47 rounds to bring it down. It is slain. 26 XP. The Iron Otoa topples to the ground. But before you can even catch your breath, a bright orange glow momentarily envelops remains. Envelops its remains. With startling swiftness, your iron foe rises to its feet and assumes its, resumes its deadly attack. And I don't even get time to heal! Begin! Combat with the iron Otorok. Fight aggressively first. Oh, it's scaled to 8+, plus. I can keep fighting it aggressively. I think it's got a bit less health this time. That seems to be usually the rules when things come back. And it is slain. Another 25 XP. The Iron Otorok again topples to the ground. And as before, a bright orange glow suddenly envelops its remains. With startling swiftness, your Iron Foe again rises to its feet and resumes its deadly attack. It's, an un it's that Iron Otorok again. Begin combat. Alright, fighting, uh, fighting. Yeah, it's got a lot less health this time. It's stunned, and it's stunned again. It adapted, but it's very nearly done. Adapted to 11+, plus, uh, but still, it is slain. 25 XP. 
And I can heal now. The Iron Otorok staggers backwards and topples to the ground. You maintain your combat ready stance, expecting that your solid metal foe would, rise, would again rise. But this time it does not. Well, it's, it's the wall of three. Usually, if an FO comes back, you're going to be fighting it about three times. It's more than that. Well, well, that, that, that's, usually, that's usually the amount of times you end up fighting it. Convinced that the Otorok is at last defeated, you kneel at Captain Millock's side. Much to your relief, the brave commandos began to stir. His eyes flicker open and he slowly rises to a sitting position. All by yourself, he says, managing a wise smile as he glances at the remains of the Iron Otorok. Well, I do, I do have this special weapon that... I do have the Umdral's Oaken Ward, which is has a special attack against these Otorok. You know, really, really, I think really should see about having more of those made. You know, so we can fit. Well, at least we can fit some. Well, well, I I, I presume they're I, they look like they're really magic, so they're probably not the sort of thing you can just mass produce, but. You should be able to make another one. Or at least something that uses a, a similar sort of sort of enchantment so that so that you can so I don't know, your regular spears can occasionally stun the Otorok. Just would be nice. Hmm. Maybe I should I should probably I should go go up and Go back to the Bellwood and, and see if, and see if they have any ideas about how to do that. Help me to my feet. Glances at the range of the solid range of the Iron Otorok. Help me to my feet. There we are. I'll not soon forget that blow. Before hoping a dazed and an unsteady Captain Millark retrieve the body of the slain soldier, you make a thorough examination of the Iron Otorok's remains. Lying only a few feet from the slain Otorok, you discover a small, flat stone. It's another one of those. The coin-sized stone, identical to those you previously discovered, is emblazoned with the mark of Runeskin, which depicts a clawed hand clutching an eye. You promptly and discreetly take possession of it. I presume they'll do something at some point. Presumably Glenorus has some sort of plan. Pretty sure it's Glenorus who is distributing these to me. Yeah, we'll just sneak, just, just, just smug, snuggling one on whenever we just sends another Otorok invasion, and it, you know, just drops off <laughs> or something like that. I think that's what he's doing. Later that afternoon, sitting in Captain Miller's quarters within a newly established outpost. You carefully study the remains of the Iron Outwork, now laid out upon the floor. The captain, still in a great deal of pain from the blow that might easily have cloven his skull, leans down and runs his hand over the Iron Being's head. I'll have been well served by a head this hard, he says, rapping on the solid piece of metal with his gloved fist. I don't hope to suppose we've seen the last of these. Why does our enemy stay his hand? A few of these, or 
Even a few dozen of his wooden minions all at once would surely overwhelm us. The destruction of this village or even the conquest of this region cannot be his aim. Else you would have long ago achieved that end. There was something, something else. Something we don't yet see. Something he wants. He, of course, being Runeskin. Something that can't be earned by brute force alone. But what? You nod when Captain Millark asks, asks if you would like some payload. Though your mind is still hovering over the last few words. Despite your current inability to fathom the immortal ogre's brutal means, it is with growing certainty that he is certainty that he has begun to realise that the something he wants, very likely, is you. Hmm. Which puts me in a bit of a sticky situation. If I stay here, the Otorak will attack to get me to defend him. But if I leave. He might just send some around just to dust for dust, so I have to stay. I can't do anything right. Whatever I do, people are in danger. Oh, wound skin. You gotta go. Anyway, that is the end of this adventure with 1,000. And 24 experience to general. You know what? That was a short adventure. So let's do the next one. Well, okay. Well, the start of the next one anyway. The crumbling tower. Pillipore smiles as you step onto the stone back. And holds up his forefinger. Signaling for you to wait. As you attempt to shed the lingering chill of late autumn. That has followed you into Hawklaw's tavern. Pillipore strides up and thrusts a small, furled, wax-sealed scrap of paper into your war hands. Start the adventure. Pillipore smiles as you step into the stone back and holds up his forefinger, signalling for you to wait. As you attempt to shed the lingering chill of late autumn that has followed you into Hawklaw's tavern, Pillipore strides up and thrusts a small, furled, Wax sealed scrap of paper into your war hand. I found that waiting for me this morning, right at the foot of the stairs. Whoever left it must have been up before the crows. Got your name scrawled across it, see? There it is. And if I might suggest it, that's a woman's hand that's done the writing. The tavern keep stands back, folds his arms and smiles. Well, I won't linger around. Peeking over your shoulder, he says. The fire could use a log. Setting yourself down on one of the stairs at the side of the hearth, you carefully open the sealed note and gaze down at the thin, dark script that crosses its wrinkled surface. Go to the crumbling tower. Puzzled by the rather cryptic nature of the lone phrase written on a scrap of paper, you set down... You set the note down on your knee and scratch your feet out towards the fire. Then, as Pillipore arrives, bearing an armful of logs, you ask if he knows anything about a crumbling tower. The tavern keep sets the logs down on the hearth and tells you the crumbling tower is a name used by the locals to refer to the ruins.
of an old tower in the forest north and east of the village. After thanking him and accepting, and swiftly swallowing, the mug of sweet steaming paleo, he places on on the arm of the the mug of steaming paleo he places on the arm of your chair. You decide to set out at once for the location described to you by Hawklaw's favourite tavern keeper. Wait, isn't he the only tavern keeper? I'm pretty sure he's the only tavern keeper. I admit, maybe with all these these soldiers coming round, maybe someone set up another one. Because, well, because well, with all these with soldiers and and refugees from Colinia and people just gathering together. Because I don't think people probably aren't, with ev- all that's going on around here, people will not be staying in, foot in, small, in small farms and tiny hamlets anymore if there's any way they can avoid it. I wouldn't be surprised if with between, between that... Soldiers, refugees, people just just moving in with just moving in with 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 relatives until things calm down. They're not not officially refugees, but practically speaking, they are. They 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 expect yeah they'll be back they'll be back. Well, hopefully. Yep, Hawklaw's population may well have doubled in the last since all this stuff started coming down. All right, yeah. So if if that has happened, if various people have moved in, yeah, yes, and if all those people have moved in, and I could imagine someone might try setting up another tavern, you know. Because sometimes the first tavern becomes full up. And you need a second one. But, uh, I don't know, I think Pinapore could probably handle it. Probably, well, I don't know. I don't don't know what is, what the thoroughput of, the thoroughput of the Stoneback Tavern is. (laughs) But, possibly, possibly. Possibly another one setting up or at least considering it. Following the directions related to you by Pillibor, who seems somewhat uncertain of the later series of twists and turns, you plunge into the forest north of the village and begin a trek that takes you north and east of Hawklaw. After nearly half an hour, just when you start to think that you're in the wrong part of the wood, you spot an outline of a tall, jagged stone structure rising out of a grassy clearing just up ahead. As you draw closer, you realise you're looking at the partially toppled remains of an ancient tower. Hmm, how ancient? I guess we we probably don't really have many ways to find out, because Sir Crokington is not an archaeologist. <laughs> and let alone the sort of people who could specialise in particulars in, say... You know, standing, standing archaeology, and can go. Ah, oh, oh yes, I can tell. Oh, this design. Oh yes, this this design was practiced in the early 14th century. Yeah, you can you can see that arch there. Oh yeah, and this bit and that bit and so on. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, but it was remodelled a bit in the 16th century. Or something like that. You make your way into the overgrown forest clearing and cautiously approach the crumbling remains of the ancient tower. In the structure's once grand courtyard, now covered by a blanket of tall, waving grass, you make this unsettling discovery. Rising out of the grass, its glow scattering the overhanging shadows of the ruined tower, is the motionless, flickering apparition of an armoured ogre. A grim, black iron helm adorns the ogre's sizeable head. A pair of bright yellow eyes peer through a narrow slit in the helm's thick visor. The eyes stare blankly ahead, clutched in the ogre's in the ghostly ogre's mail-clad fist, is a cruel club spiked with long, sharp iron tines. You study the flickering image of the armoured ogre for nearly ten minutes. The ghostly ogre never once displays even the slightest sign of movement. Realising you're not currently in any immediate danger from the unmoving apparition, you set out to explore the immediate area. After a lengthy but uneventful search, you pause at the edge of the small bog, before turning about and heading back towards the side of the crumbling tower. You return to the side of the ancient crumbling tower, in the overgrown forest clearing north and east of Hawklaw, there, rising out of the tall grass that now blankets most of the tower's once grand courtyard, is the glowing, motionless apparition of the armoured ogre. A grim, black iron helm adorns the ogre's sizeable head. A pair of bright yellow eyes peer through a narrow slit in the helm's thick visor. The eyes stare blankly ahead, clutched in... In the ghostly ogre's mail-clad fist is a cruel club spiked with long, sharp iron tines. The ogre's image flickers several times. After watching the image for several minutes, you vow to return here tomorrow to see if there's been any change to the gruesome apparition. Head back to Hawklaw. You turn and make your way out of the wound tower's courtyard, and as you reach the edge of the clearing, you glance over your shoulder crumbling structure. The very sight of the ruined tower inexplicably fills you with a deepening sense of dread. Without looking back, you plunge into the forest and begin the relatively short trek back to Hawklaw. And you can just go there. Yeah, this crumbling tower is a place you got to visit once a day. That is real time days, and you get a little snippet of progress every time you visit there, once a day, and then once enough days have passed, you get you get the conclusion of this adventure. But that's going to take a while. So I'll put this out now. And then, over the next week or so, every day, I'll be going there, seeing what happens. And I'll be doing other things. And 
And between that, Sir Crokington will be doing other things. One thing to do next. Now, we found those... We've, we found those those bone amulet fragments in the lower ruins of Tarn. And now, since we know Tallies has been there, and quite frankly, very few other people could possibly have gone there, because it's a very dangerous place. Only for only ser- ser- serious adventurers like Tallies could even, su- even survive getting that deep into the city. So, Tallies will... Right, no. So we'll go to Tally's, see if he knows anything about this bone amulet. And also, that that might take, that'll probably take an episode, maybe two. Well, well, I know it'll take a while, because I know there's a big, quite hefty adventure behind that. And there's other adventures in Hawklaw to do while while we wait. We've got Deep in the Forest, The Cabin... An Agent in Black, Snowy Dusk, The End of Your Wope, On the Road to Hawklaw, and Red Warren, and that's a pretty big one. So I'll be putting that off for a while yet. But anyway, until then, farewell, fellow adventurers. <laughs>